Well, let me just pray. We'll take some time to commit our meeting tonight to God and um, thank him for all that he does for us each and every day. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for this theater. We want to thank you for the impact that it's had through generations of young people, including myself and including different other people down through the years who have really benefited from meeting together. And one of the greatest nights is the time when we come together at our DIY night and hear from each other and learn from each other. Father, I want to thank you for how you've blessed these young people in so many ways, that you've given them such giftings and, and helped them in their spiritual journey. And Father, I also thank you for Lister and the fact that we've been able to meet together over these last few months, that, that this pandemic has happened in a time in history where we can connect and we can speak to each other over Zoom and we can see each other and, and still conduct these meetings. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us every day. We thank you that we have roofs over our heads, we have families, we have um, food, we have churches, we have all of these different things that you've blessed us with. But Father, of course, we want to thank you most of all for the fact that you blessed us with your son, Jesus, who came to this earth to die for us and then to rise again. And Father, in a few moments time, whenever we start to look at your word, we pray again that you'll be with us and that we will see your son in everything that we do and talk about tonight. And too, Father, we just want to uh, thank you for the, the firemen who are up on the morns at the minute and are busy working there. We pray that you'll keep each of them safe and that you'll bring them back safely. And maybe maybe there's family connections here, Father, or people that are worried about loved ones who are involved in the fire service at this time. Pray that you'll give them a sense of your peace and knowledge, knowing that you're a God who looks after every single one of us, no matter where we are. So, Father, we do commit our little time together to you tonight for all everybody that takes part. May they use settle their nerves and help them us all to to learn a bit more about you as we as we go on so father we pray this all in jesus name amen so as far as kind of tonight's concern just to give you kind of a, a bit of a rough outline of of what the plan is um we're going to be doing as you know over this these past number of months we've been looking at different psalms and tonight what we thought we would do because it's kind of the diy night uh, that three of the three of us would kind of look at the Psalms that are meaningful to us. So myself, David and Ross, we're going to be sharing a little bit about Psalms that that we have appreciated down through the years and just to share a few thoughts from them. And then sort of um, it's going to kind of be like Psalm sandwiches, if that's such a thing. So it's going to be a Psalm, then a testimony, then a Psalm, then a quiz, then another Psalm. And then that's us for the night. So with those three Psalms and then in between there, we have testimony from Abigail and then we have a quiz from Ben and Joel. So looking forward to that. And we did get a tiny hint from Joel as to what the quiz would involve. Something to do with quotations. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to get my head around what that could possibly be. So without further ado, I'm going to kick off uh, just by doing a Psalm that, that means something to me, and that is Psalm 1. So if you do have a Bible with you, uh, feel free to open it, and you can follow along with what I'm reading here. Uh, and um, yeah, Psalm 1, the very first one in the book of Psalms, so hopefully it's easy enough to find. So just before that, I'm just going to kick off by reading it for you. So Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous 
but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I think for me, the reason why this um, psalm has been so helpful to me, because it does lay out in very simple terms the two ways that we all have ahead of us. There's the way on the one hand of the righteous, which leads to blessedness, or there's the way of the wicked, which leads to destruction. And in that all, it kind of just very simply lays out the two paths, explains the differences between them, and then I suppose encourages us to pick the right one. And of course, as we know, that would be the way of the righteous following God's path. But one of the reasons why I think it's it's important one to me is because it, it is really at its essence about happiness, not just a happiness, you know, type of happiness that you get when you have a bag of popcorn. This is like a happiness that lasts forever and ever. And that's really what the word blessed means at the very beginning, blessed or blessed. It means happy. So in a way to start the psalm like that, blessed is the one or happy is the one. It reminds me a wee bit of clickbait. Have you ever come across clickbait? You might be kind of scrolling through social media and there'll be like a, you know, a, a little sentence that makes you want to click on it. So it might say, you know, uh, somebody's dog ran away and you'll never, you can't imagine what happened next. Or this person is only 50. Click here to find out what her secret is. You know, those sort of questions. So clickbait, it, it makes you want to find out more. And in a way, you know, in a, in a reverent way, I kind of see it as that blessed is the one you want to find out what makes this person blessed. How can they be blessed in this godly, godly way, this godly happiness that blessedness is? So it then starts to lay out what it's not, how not to be um, happy. And it kind of like explains in a very simple way what we shouldn't do. And it talks about how we shouldn't walk or stand or sit with the wicked. And in a way, you can kind of see like a downward um, projection there starts with walking then standing and then sitting. It reminds me a bit of like, you know, whenever somebody, when you start a new school and the way you kind of get to know each other is you might be kind of walking along the corridor and you might chat to them, say hello. And then you might get to sort of after saying hello to them a few times, you may end up stopping. So you'll stand with them and chat with them. And then eventually you'll sit with them maybe at lunchtime. So it's kind of walking, standing, sitting. So it's this kind of like downward projection about what's what's going what's going on here. But why is this important? Why is it important that we shouldn't stand or sorry, walk or stand or sit with the wicked? And I think that it's it's clear in the kind of passage that there's more going on here. You see, it's a bit like, you know, it's not kind of saying that we shouldn't be friends with non-Christians. That's not the focus of this passage. What it's talking about is if we're in a friendship with somebody where we're not fully in control of it. And what I mean by that is if you kind of think of like, if you see somebody walking along the road and maybe they're walking a dog, there are times when you see somebody walking a dog, but there are other times when you see the dog walking the person. Whenever the dog walks the person, the dog is like marching ahead and the person is just following wherever the dog goes. And it's that type of relationship it's talking about. We, it's okay if we're friends with people, if we're in control, you know, we're befriending them. And also we want to point out, point them in the direction of God. But if they're making all the decisions and they're kind of marching ahead and we're kind of dragging along behind, it's that type of reason why this sort of that sort of situation isn't helpful. And that's not one that leads to happiness. But then it moves on. It moves on to then how we can be happy, how we can take delight in God and be truly and helpfully happy with God. And then it talks about how we delight in the in the law of the Lord, meditate on his law day and night. And quite simply, it's not talking about kind of like a 24 seven quiet time. It's talking there about how we know the Bible so well 
that whenever we're making decisions through the day or have to decide how we respond to something, it's the word of God that's in our mind and kind of shapes how we conduct ourselves. So it might be, you know, if somebody asks you a question about God in your mind right away, you remember that verse that says, be ready to give an answer. So, you know, you then go ahead and answer the person or maybe, you know, you're starting to get riled up with somebody and you're getting a bit angry. You can then remember that you should be slow to anger and, and focus on God in that. So it's about having it in your mind so that you can respond to the events of the day. And if you do that, if you are meditating on God's law and you're delighting in God's law, it then describes us as being like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. And here we kind of see this image of that if we are strong and rooted in God, we will bear fruit and we will be healthy in the way that spiritually healthy in the way that we live. And that idea of fruit, you know, is the different things that God will work through us. He will help other people through us. Because if you think about a tree, the fruit that a tree produces is not fruit for the tree. The tree doesn't use the fruit. And it's a bit like that us, like that with us and God and how he blesses other people through, through us. The fruit that we produce is fruit that benefits other people. So it may be by, you know, telling them about God, God giving us a gift to be able to evangelize with them. That's benefiting somebody else. That's fruit for somebody else. Or if God rewards us with money that we can give to church, that's fruit. Donating money to church is fruit that we give to other people. So that's why whenever it says whatever they do prospers, it's not talking about like, you know, if you set up a depop and, you know, it's definitely going to prosper. It's going to be the best one there. It's not about those sort of things. It's about whatever the fruit that you produce that God will use in your life. That's the thing. Whatever they do prospers, whatever that fruit is, God will use not for us, all benefit for us, but to help other people. And then the final bit, then the contrast then is. If you're rooted in God's word, if you're focused on him, you're like a tree, you're healthy, you're green. But if you're not like that, if you're if you're not following God's way, then you're the wicked and you're like chaff. And chaff is kind of like the husk that is around green and it's not rooted. It's not strong. It just literally blows away. It's, it's There's nothing rooting it firmly. And so sadly, that's the description that we have of the wicked. And it says there that punishment awaits for those people because they will not stand in the judgments and nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And then finally, it just ends with that great promise that just lays before us these two ways. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And just in that, whenever you read that, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. So those people who are Christians, those people who put their trust in God, they're the people that are right. They're the people that are blessed. They're the people that are happy in that godly way. But you'd think then that the flip side of for the wicked wouldn't be happiness, but it would be sadness. But that's not what it says. It says that it's a path that leads to destruction, not a path that leads to sadness. Of course, it does lead to sadness. But the key thing is here that that's a path that leads to destruction. And that's what's very sad. And that's why, you know, we're that God came into this world to forgive us of our sins so that we would have a path so that we wouldn't be punished for the sins that we have eternally. And that's the great thing about how Christ or God sent his own son for each one of us. If we do put our trust in him, that he will forgive us. He will make us righteous and he will bless us. He will make us happy in that godly, godly way. So I do hope that all of you have put your trust in God and that you are on that right path, that path that leads to God, that path that leads to happiness, that path of the righteous. So that's my little Sam. 
And um, let me just pray just after that little thought there. Let me just pray to God and, and ask for him to help each one of us on these paths and the journeys that we take in life. So let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word and how it speaks to us in so many different ways. We thank you, too, for this little psalm that lays before us, these two paths that we all face before us. Father, we do pray for those of us who are on the path of righteousness, that you will help us, that you will keep us strong in the faith, that you will keep us healthy and strong like that tree that's described. But, Father, maybe some of us who don't let you let yet know you or maybe family members that we can think of that aren't on that path. Father, we do pray that you'll give us opportunities to share the message of the gospel with them, that we'll be able to, in a helpful way, lay out this message, this gospel message that you have presented for us, for each of us, that you sent your son to die and rise again for each of us. So, Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So next up is our testimony slot, and I'm going to hand over now to Abigail, who's going to give us her testimony. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hello. Um, A song that has featured massively in my life these last few months is Break My Plans by This Hoop Music. It entails all Jesus calls us to as his disciples and reflects the heart that he's starting to form in me through lockdown to let him have control in my life for his glory, even in the difficulties and failures that have and will come. Isaiah chapter 41 verses 8 to 10 especially verse 9 and 10, have been so encouraging and inspiring over lockdown. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yes, I will help thee. Yes, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I'm so thankful to God for always giving key passages before serving him. Last summer, I was so disappointed that lockdown was stopping all teams and outreach. I had had a manic, busy summer the year before and really didn't fancy a summer at home. After getting really annoyed about it, God encouraged me to reread Isaiah chapter 40, verse 39, which had been the passage I'd taken with me to every activity that last summer to remind myself of God's purpose and the strength available in him. While reading, my eyes wandered over to the second half of verse 9 and 10 in chapter 41. Even in my discouragement, God had provided comfort and assurance. He was in control. He hadn't put me in the scrap heap and he had a plan. From that day, God opened so many doors to serve him, like virtual kids camp with BCM, recording music for a holiday Bible club, serving at a club in Moyard, door-to-door work in Anahilt, distributing tracks in Sligo, and serving in our school, SU. So if you feel discouraged and don't think God can use you, think again, pray, ask him to guide you through his words, and when opportunities come to serve him, go for it, you won't regret it. I was born into a Christian family, which is such a blessing. For as long as I remember, we went to church and I went to kids club, good news club, GB, and we had evening devotions together. I'm also an only child. You can decide for yourselves whether I'm spoilt. I first decided that I needed to be saved when I was four. Mum was reading from a devotion and the Bible and asked me if I knew Jesus as my saviour. Would I be going to heaven? The answer was no. 
Whilst I confessed Jesus from that age and lived a good life, it was only when I was 12 and my pastor was preaching on hell and eternity that I realised I couldn't hitchhike on my parents' faith. It had to be my own. Sitting in the car after the service, Mum spoke to me on how to say sorry for my sins and invite Jesus to become my saviour and Lord. She then assured me of the promise in John chapter 6 verse 37. All who come to me I will in no wise cast out. Life was transformed from that point on. I knew Jesus had saved me and would never leave me nor forsake me. I've always struggled with being shy and quiet. I loved learning about Jesus, but never really enjoyed the social aspect to church or youth. That changed when I started to go to camp and then got involved as a leader. I met really lovely people my own age and leaders who passionately poured into my life and shared the joys and struggles in their own lives. I also discovered that there was a purpose to my shy nature. I loved working and playing with kids and they with me. The greatest day of my life so far has been leading a girl in a dorm opposite to mine to faith in Jesus. I saw with my own eyes the joy he brings and was so inspired by her desire to share her newfound faith with everyone, even her mum, who was not yet a Christian. So yes, I have struggled throughout life with insecurity and comparisonitis, but God has provided such an outlet in pouring into outreach ministries. Lockdown really helped my faith grow. Living with yourself for loads of months is not easy. I could very clearly see flaws of insecurity and perfectionism. Thankfully, in spite of absolutely exhausting myself with hours of Bible study and trying to do everything at once, God has been really patient and is starting to teach me to trust in him for value not myself or others, and trust in his righteousness, not my own works, no matter how good I think they are. Two key parts of staying close to God over lockdown has been communion. When church closed, our family continued it on, and it really increased my appreciation of all that Jesus did on the cross and his presence with me every day. Also, I started going to the church prayer meeting on Zoom, And it's been amazing. At first it was scary, but I really urge you to go if you don't already. It's so helpful to hear other people pray and so encouraging for them to see you. As I look back over this past year and my life, I'm so in awe of God's intricate care in everything and his extravagant blessings every single day. To be able to share my faith, read the Bible in my own language every morning to have heard and received the gospel, to have three meals a day, a bed to sleep in, a loving and caring family. The list literally goes on. Ultimately, it amazes me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In the mess of life, he still cleanses from sin. If you don't yet know him as your Lord and Saviour, why not come tonight? Just as you are, he's well able to save and keep you. He knows and he loves you. Thank you.
Thank you so so much for that. I really really appreciate your openness and I suppose your your honesty about that testimony and and it really truly was a testimony to to God's grace and mercy in your life and how He's been working over you in the past year. And I suppose we can all and I suppose it's good to reflect at times just about how God has shaped us over this past year. You know, there'll come a day when we're telling our grandkids about this pandemic and they'll be fascinated. You know, in the same way that you know I was always fascinated whenever my granny and granda talked about the Second World War. And um, I suppose there are times maybe then when we're speaking with our grandkids, we can share with them about how God sustained us through that and the things that he did with us, how he shaped us, how he helped us, how he made us stronger in a lot of ways, uh, broken us in certain other ways. But but ultimately was still our God, was sovereign and we knew his presence with us day in and day out. So thank you so, so much for that. Uh, We're going to hand over now to David, who's going to share with us another psalm. And this time it is Psalm 57. Thanks, David. Okay, thanks, John. So um, if you have your Bibles, we'll just read through Psalm uh, 57. So Psalm 57. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory. Awake sultry and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. So there are certain words and phrases in the book of Psalms that come up again, again and again. And in Psalm 57, we have some examples of this. So verse three says that God shall send forth his mercy and truth. And verse 10 says, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth Onto the clouds. So that the words mercy or merciful, they appear 115 times in the book of Psalms. And the word truth, it appears 41 times. And they're actually found together um, in the same verse 13 times. So God's mercy and God's truth are both taught really clearly in the Psalms. And I find both of these themes to be important in my life as a Christian. So firstly, God's mercy. It's really the help of God to those who don't deserve it. And in this psalm, we have King David and he's crying to God for mercy. You see, he's in trouble because Saul is hunting him down to find him and to kill him. Now Saul, he's got um, over 3,000 specially selected soldiers helping him to find David. But David only has a few hundred men. He's hiding in a cave and he knows he's in big trouble. But even in those most difficult of circumstances, 
he still trusts in God's mercy. He looks to God for help. And he believes that even though he's a sinful man and doesn't deserve anything from God, that he can rely on God's mercy to help him in this difficult situation. He knows that God has anointed him as the next king of Israel. And so although everything seems to be going wrong and it's hard to see a way out, he praises God, he uh, fixes his heart on God and he puts his trust in the care and in the mercy of God. And so I find that I need to continually remind myself of the special care and the special mercy that God has for his children. And at times when I feel alone um, or that everything and even everybody is against me in a situation or that I find myself in such a terrible mess that I, I can't see a way out of it then I need to do what David did in this psalm. I need to bring my problems to God to realise how great and how mighty and how powerful he is and also that he uses that power to care for me as a child of God and shows his mercy towards me. And then secondly, about the truth of God. So one of the ways in the Bible that Satan is described is as being a liar. And of course, God is the complete opposite. In fact, the Bible says that God cannot lie. And God reveals his truth to us, of course, in the Bible. The, the truth of who he is, of what he's like, and what he's done. But the Bible also reveals to us the truth about ourselves, how we were created, how sin came into the world, and how we need to have our sins forgiven. And for me, that that makes me think about how well do I know the truth of God? The world around us will try and get us to believe what it says is true. Or even, maybe even more dangerously, that there is no real truth and you can just choose to believe whatever you want to. But the Bible teaches us that there is only one truth and that is God's truth. So how, how do I know God's truth? Well, I need to take the time to read God's word, to study it, to think about it. And not just in a way that I might study something for an exam. I need to um, apply it to my life and to obey it. Even when it goes against maybe the easy path that I might like to take. And of course, I need to realise that I, I can't do that in my own strength. It's God who will work in me to change me through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so that's just a few of the reasons why I like this psalm. Um, it reminds me about God's mercy and God's truth. As verse 10 says, For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Thank you. Thanks so much, David. I do appreciate the little message on um, God's mercy and God's truth. Two things that I suppose have shaped our, all of our Christian lives in one way or the other. So it's, it's good again just to pause and reflect on, on how god how god's mercy and truth has impacted us so so much so thank you um so next up we have our final psalm so we're going to jump into psalm 145 and that's with all so thanks so much ben and joel for that quiz all those quotations yeah so for my psalm the psalm is quite uh close to my heart the psalm 145 so i'm going to go in a slightly different format and go through five really quick points while break into each verse or into um, five different bunches of verses in the psalm and then 
one point at the end. So hopefully this is the shortest five-point talk you've ever heard. And uh, <laughs> But um, we'll just get stuck in. For those of you that don't know Psalm 145, or, or even at what point in, in, in the biblical timeline that the Psalms occur, it occurs after the Israelites have, have been freed from Egypt, have left Egypt. They've went to the Promised Land in Israel, and they've set up camp and... They had judges in place as their as their leaders. However, then it never it didn't go so well with the judges. You can read about that in the book of Judges. And then after that, they demanded kings. So the first king was King Samuel or Saul, sorry, and then the second king was King David, who wrote the Psalm. So Psalm 145 is also noted to be sometimes the uh, it's referred to as the Psalm of Praise. So like Psalm 86 is David's Psalm of Prayer. Uh, this is referred to as like the main psalm of praise for David. Um, so there's seven. I broke down the passage into seven bits. Um, that seven different things that Daniel praises God for. So if you want to open up a Psalm 145, and I'm just going to read this out here. Um, so the first seven verses are uh, David praising God for His fame and glory. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. And I will declare your greatness. Thou shalt utter the memory of your great goodness, and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious. Oh, so the next of three verses, which is uh, verses eight to ten, is speaking about God's goodness. So it says here, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are all over His works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. There's talking about God's goodness. So the next section is God's kingdom, 11 to 13. This is what David's praising them for. It says, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and the talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The fourth thing that David praises God for then is God's providence, how he provides for his people. It says here in verses 14 to 16, The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and give, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And then finally, he praises God for his saving mercy. He says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Uh, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. So that is the psalm broken down into five sections. And there's one, two things I kind of want to pull out of this psalm. One, 
It's David's praise for the different attributes of God. You read through there and almost every other line is filled with something that David is praising God for. It says, His greatness is unsearchable. He praise your works, your mighty acts, glory, the glorious splendor of your majesty, your wondrous works, your awesome acts, your greatness, your great goodness, your righteousness, your gracious compassion, so to anger, great mercy, good to all, of tender mercies, the glory of your kingdom, your mighty acts again, your power, your everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures forever. And it's, uh, it's in these here verses that, for me, it kind of stands out as understanding that God's goodness and his greatness is is always there no matter what I feel or think. That it ultimately it's the, it's it's not how I feel I think about things, but it's ultimately who God is. And it's a great reminder. But most important the thing that sticks out to me most in this verse is in verse seven. So if you look at verse seven there it says, They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Here David's referring to the Israelites uttering the uttering this the memory of your great goodness. Now, whenever I think of that there passage, it comes to my mind, one of my favorite hymns. Uh, many of you will know it, Come Thy Fount. Um, and in the third verse, the first two lines are, Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy help I've come. So for those of you that don't know, I don't know if anybody does know what an Ebenezer is or what it means. Well, an Ebenezer is a stone of help. Uh, often people... Um, Maybe we've heard of a set as a stone of remembrance. Um, you'll maybe know it from First Samuel chapter seven, where the story of uh, God turned the Philistines on themselves and caused confusion as they were about to attack the Israelites when they were uh, camped up near Mizpah. And I'll read out verse twelve here, and it says, "Then Samuel, this is after the battle where the Philistines ended up fighting each other." And then it says, "Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen." and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And I suppose the important thing for me in this year, Sam, is is it's reminded me, especially in verse 7 and throughout the past couple of years, that um, to look back and see the Ebenezers in my life, that, that I can look back and see God has helped me here thus far. And to look at that and to know God's strength and that he'll continue to help um, there, there's a couple of moments in my life that I look at significant moments in the past couple of years, two in particular that I look back to and see God's hand in it completely. That if it wasn't for God, that I, I honestly don't know where I would be. And I look back at those and remember and thank God for those stones he set. But ultimately for all of us, there's, there's one stone that should come to mind for every single one of us. And that is Christ, the cornerstone. There's my favorite psalm, Psalm 145. Um, I'm just remembering God's great goodness and praising him for everything that he's done. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Ross. Uh, and the great thing about the psalms is there's 150 of them. So we've only covered three tonight and we've covered a handful more, but there's plenty more to, to dig into just in your own kind of quiet times, your own um, thoughts and prisoners. I think that the, the overarching thing that I can never get my head around about the psalms is how honest the psalmists are with God you know some of them complain to God and shout at God and praise God and there's just all this emotion in the psalms and just that little reminder that we can go to God with anything if we're angry we can go to God if we're happy we can go to God if we're sad we can go to God just all these different emotions all these different people in different circumstances of life 
and yet they can go to God in those circumstances. So thanks so much for that, Ross, and thanks to everybody who's taken part tonight. Uh, and yeah, uh, thanks for another great year at the Studer, and we'll hopefully see you at some point in the summer for something fun. So let me just bring our time to close by praying. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for this year of Lestudor. We thank you for the blessing that, that all of these young people are to me and are to each other. And Father, we do pray that in your mercy that you will allow us to meet together sometime soon, that things will continue to get better in our country and that we'll be able to have regulations eased and maybe even a barbecue or, or maybe even another in-person event. But Father, we do leave it in your hands. We know that you're sovereign. We know that none of these things that are happening in our world at this time are a surprise to you. But through this, you have proven yourself to be a God who is faithful and caring and loving and helping us each and every day. So, Father, we pray that you'll be with us all over the summer. Father, maybe we are involved in different uh, kids activities over over Zoom or online stuff. Father, we do pray that our, you'll be with our young people, whatever way they choose to serve you over this time. And that you'll bring us back together again sometime in the summer to have fun and fellowship again. We pray this all in Jesus name. Amen.